0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts here, Dana Osman, here with my friend and chavruta, Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yuma, daf Lamid page 37. Before I get to the mission, I just want to draw our attention to the top of the daf, which again continues the discussion that was started yesterday, using biblical psukim uh, in order to show structure of the vidui itself um, is based on those psukim. It's based on a formula. Right so now they're going to discuss how do you know that the vidoy needs to have the word ana in it and they use a whole gazer shava with the word kapara to figure that out and then how do we know that you say baruch shem kavod machutol olamba ed and there it's a brace where they use psukim from devarim and also from mishlei um and i think there's two interesting comments i want to make about this um the first is is that here i think what's unique about the vidoy with the korban Chatas so that the coin gadol brings is that normally we think of tefillah as prayer, as sort of a replacement for the korbanot. Um, But here we really see sort of them being working together, right? That you need to have the vidui with the korban in order for it to count for something. And so both of these things are important. And therefore, it makes sense that it's not just going to be something, since the avodah is all written out in the Torah itself, the vidui that accompanies it, it's not just going to be like what one rabbi thought should have been said, but instead the rabbis really are looking at biblical texts or even, you know, using this pasuk and mishle to really think about like what what structure or what words actually go into the vidui itself. Um, And I think that that's, you know, uh, that's quite interesting. Um, So, you know, just to pay a little bit of attention to like how the development of the vidui itself, it's not just something that comes out of, um, but really is very carefully constructed by Chazal by reading very carefully how do we see other times where somebody needed to do a vidoy, um, you know, and and how they did that. And even the response that the B'nai Israel give, you know, again, it's based on our understanding of Sukkim. And, a, you know, and I'm being repetitive here, right? And seeing this interplay between words that are confessional, spoken words, spoken prayer, with having to bring a korban as well. So before I move on to the next Mishnah, Anne, anything you want to comment on that?
1: Nope, carry on. Oh,
0: carry on. Okay. Um, all right. So now we get to the next Mishnah. Now this Mishnah is going to start to get into the lottery that took place, right, with the two goats. <speaking in Spanish> so then the, the Kohen Gadol is going to go to the eastern side of the temple courtyard. And, <speaking in Spanish> and so the Skan ko, you know, Kohen is going to be to his right. And the head of his family, right, we talked about that, particularly when they do the Mishmarot, when the Kohanim came to do their service, um, they were divided each day by their Beit Av, you know, like their family. And the head of the Beit Av would stand to his left. The Shamshne Shnei Seirim, and there were two of these he goats, the Kalpe Haytasham, and there was a, um, you know, basically a, a, a something to put the lottery into, right, Ubashne Shnei and there were two lots. Shell um the Asan Ben Gamla Shell Zahab, right? They were originally made of boxwood, and then there was a coin gadol of Ben Gamla, Yeshua Ben Gamla, who made that box out of gold. And we remember him uh, for great praise that he sort of made this uh, look actually nicer. So it's interesting to see again that nothing is taken for chance, even where the coin stands and who stands next to him. Everything is very, it's all, it's all, you know, a play almost. Like everything is very, very carefully laid out. Then the mission is going to go on and is going to discuss other people who gave things to the Beit Dash or did things to enhance the Beit HaMikdash itself. And they were um, praised for that. Benkatin asashnei masar darlu kior, right? So the Kohen Gadol Benkatin made a uh, Kior that had 12 spigots to it, right? Because before it only had two. So this allowed that multiple Kohanim could wash their hands and their feet at the same time. Right? He also made sort of some type of machine, okay, so that the base and the kior would go into flowing water during the night. And so this way, the, the water wasn't sitting in the kior overnight, and it sort of was fresh water when you pulled it out in the morning, because if you left water in it overnight, you can't use water that sort of sits overnight. So he also did that as well. Moonbaz Hamelach, right? King Muzbaz Hayau "Kol Yadot Shel Yom Shel Zahav." He made all the handles of uh, the Yom Kippur kailin made out of gold. Helene, right? This is Queen Helene, Imo, his mother, Asta, Nivreshet Shel Zahav Al Petach made some type of gold chandelier on the entrance of the heichal. She also made a golden tablet where the portion of the Sota, right, the adulterous woman or the suspected adulterous woman was written out because you had to use this to copy the Torah portion, portion of Sota. That was part of the process of what was done. This way you didn't actually have to bring the Torah out. You just had this golden tablet that was there, right? And the Gemara explains a little bit. Was it the full... Um, all the psukim or just a word. And then they knew what the pasuk was that followed it. Nicanor bayu maskirin otan Um And Nikanor, he made uh, these uh, beautiful doors that a miracle happened for. Um, and, you know, all of these people, they were remembered, uh, they were remembered for, uh for, for Sheva'ch they were, they were praised uh, for, for what they did. And tomorrow we'll talk more about Niki Noor because there's a beautiful Gemara that explains exactly what the miracle was. So a little bit of a tangent here um, in the Mishnah, but I think the Mishnah is being structured that as they're telling over the Avodah, which again was not done by the time the Mishnah was written, they're using these Mishnahs as a way to tell us other things about the Beit HaMikdash so we remember them.
1: Um, I think also I I'm struck by how organized the Mishnah and the Gemara are together. Right, meaning the Mishnah has these separate, different, you know, bits that it talks about, and I understand why you call it a tangent. But at the same time, the Gemara follows suit really exactly, and the same way that the Mishnah begins, you know, with the the idea of the the rosh beit av Right, meaning we've got askan Minov, rosh beit av Mismolo, We've got the organized. Um, structure of the koanim and how they walked. So then the Gemara talks about that and what's the proper etiquette for how to walk, right? And then at the end, the same way you talk about King Manabaz and the gold, well, we've got the discussion of the gold. It actually carries on to the next stuff as you say. Um, and then the middle part, which is what I want to spend a little more time on, is this business of the the lottery, right? The, the goats. Um, so, and it's always funny to me that we call them that we think of it as a lottery except for that this is really the definition of what it means to cast lots right to to not have any conscious decision of what's going to happen and allow you know luck as it were um really i guess hashem to make the decision for you know which goat goes where but Kalpi i vash right so there was a there was a copy there's a, there's a kalpi. There's, kalpi is now the modern word for the for the electoral ballot um uh, the poll polling station in Israel. So there's a place where the lots would be, and there there were two of them. venatan Aharon al sneis sirim goralot. Goralot shall kol davar. Right, the there's Aaron would place the lots on the two goats, and one goat would be to Hashem, and one goat would be to Azazel. Now, what is Azazel? Is its own, you know, very complicated discussion. Um, and a uh, room for debate, is Azazel actually some kind of power or creature, or does Azazel just simply mean the wilderness, right, which might actually be the pshat, right, the plain sense of the text, because, in fact, that is what happens to the goat that goes to Azazel, it is sent out to the wilderness. Um, but the idea here is that these these goralot, they make the decision, and then shal kol davar. Shal means they could be made from anything. They could be made from anything. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, but here the question is, you know, how did, how were they going to decide which goat goes where? Maybe you should put two on each, meaning one saying to Hashem and La Azazel on the first goat, and then another lot, two two lots, each saying both Hashem and Azazel on each goat. No, you just put one on each. You, they, like there's no <laughs> the, there's no need to um have each goat have the equal um, possibility, probability, I guess, really, of being, um, you know, one or the other, right? Meaning each, you can't do that. Let me, let me try to say this mathematically, right? One goat has to go to Hashem. One goat has to go to Azazel. So you can't have each goat with a goral either to Hashem or to Azazel because then you have the capacity, the possibility would happen that you could end up with two Tashem ta or two ta Azazel. So that's the math reason that that's not a good you know, that's that would be a bad a bad plan to have two on each head. But also we've got a verse right from Bayikra Tedzah in Leviticus sixteen that says one for Hashem and one for Azazel. Enkan Lishem El Goral Achad Venkan LaZazel El Achad Yahol y Tain shall sh shall shame Vishall Azazel Azhe, Vishall Sham Vishal Az Azazel Azhe, Talmudomar Goral Achad. So, this is establishing that, right? Again, there's only going to be one lot that goes to Hashem and one lot that goes to Azazel. Then, why are we talking Goralot? Why, would, why does the text talk about um, a plur, Goral in the plural, lots, as opposed to simply one lot? Because it's really only one decision being made. The fact is, once you've got one going to Hashem, then the other by default is going to Azazel and vice versa. So the idea of saying that it's in the plural teaches that the lots should be made identical, identically, that um, you don't make one of the, of the I don't know, I think of it as a piece of paper, but they didn't have paper, right? It's not that one lot should be from gold and one should be from silver, or the one should be large and one should be small. They should be identical, equal in their uh, plurality, so that there really is no indication which is which until you actually look at which is what's written on it, right? And then, here we come to this point that they could be made from anything. The kamar says, well, that's obvious, meaning the Torah never says, the Gore never says that they should be made from something, so then it must be that you, they could be made from anything. And the Torah says, no, you do need to say specifically that they could be made from anything. Like it's Italian, The Torah says, you might have thought that because of the seats that the coin wears, this kind of crown band that the coin wears that has the name of Hashem on it, and that is made of gold, then maybe you would think that anytime you're going to write the name of Hashem on something, it would have to be out of gold. Yachol af zekein. lomar. Goral goral riba. That, in, that um, repetition of having uh, the two goralot teaches you that, no, really, they could be from anything, and it's not that the one from Hashem, to Hashem, rather, needs to be made from gold. Reba shal zayit, Reba egos, Reba shal ashkora. You could have, it could be from olive wood, it could be from walnut wood, it could be made from boxwood, meaning whatever it is you want to have your lots, meaning these two, as I say, pieces of paper, the two things that have the names on them, Hashem or Azazel, can really be made from anything. And then, so that this is going to be, you know, this is the process. This is part a a key part of the avoda, the sending off of the one goat and the shechting, the slaughtering of the other goat to Hashem. Um, and with that, we end that piece of the gemara that is on that piece of the Mishnah, and then it goes on, right? So, on the one hand, the Mishnah here is a little bit um, disjointed, or in that it has several different topics. I would say I don't really want to call it disjointed, um, but the gemara follows suit very closely. Well. well also,
0: I'm just taken by that for as pivotal as this piece is, um, I mean, I guess we'll have to see what happens with the next couple of Mishnayos. But yes, looking at the biblical source and figuring out how did they knew two lots or no lots. Like, first of all, I actually thought the Mishnah read pretty easy. And it's interesting how they were like, no, maybe it could have been more lots. Like, I almost couldn't figure out what the Gemara was doing here. Like, did the Mishnah read so uh, strangely to you that that actually had to be worked out. So I think this sort of exercise and trying to show, again, all of this has biblical source. None of this was actually made up. Um, and and that all of this was, you know, trying to understand how the psukim were given or the instructions were given and what that actually means practically what we do. But I also at the same time thought this was like a pretty short passage about this. Like, But again, I think we're going to end up talking about the lots much much more later on.
1: That's our last discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcast. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think about the gold, the lots, um, and really the order of how people would walk next to each other that we learned from the Kohen, go, from the Kohen Gadol. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.